0: Hi, everybody. Stuart Gandolf here. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Ed Bennett. Ed is totally a thought leader in the world of healthcare, social media, and marketing. He has today moved to found his own firm, MarTech Health. Very pleased to have you, Ed.
1: Thank you. It's um, pleasure to be here and, and,
0: and to talk a little bit about this workshop. So, we were talking about a workshop that Ed's going to be presenting at HCIC, and the topic is Engage at Warp Speed with New Communications Platforms, Balancing Patient Expectations, Ethics, and Provider Realities. And Ed, we were talking about your talk here and the fact that you have an MD who's going to be talking about the clinical point of view. Why don't we start Mm -hmm. off with just giving a sense of who your um, people on the panel are going to be and some of the things we're going to be talking about. Then we can talk about the exciting part to you as well.
1: The topic of this workshop is Engage at Warp Speed with New Communications Platforms, Balancing Patient Expectations, Ethics, and Provider Realities. I think I'm going to have to work on a shorter title next time for, <laughs> for my next, uh, next workshop. That's, that's a bit much. There are several fundamental new technologies that are you know, sort of just starting to emerge. Obviously, a lot of this stuff has been around for a while, but it's really starting to emerge in healthcare dramatically in the last year or so. This covers everything from uh, the emerging uh, world of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to uh, chatbots, voice response systems. You know your typical Siri, all the way to um, the wearables and the data that, that gets collected uh, from wearable technology and how does that integrate into your medical record and how does that impact things like a personalized uh, healthcare plan based on that data. So all of those sort of topics are going to be covered by the three of the uh, panel presenters. Three of those people work at companies that have expertise or are doing some of the technologies we're talking about, and mm-hmm. they're taking kind of a deeper dive into the different things and explaining what they are, what the impact is to healthcare, what they see as the as the opportunities in the future for healthcare. The fourth person on the panel is a Dr. Chantel Reyna, a cancer surgeon at MD Anderson, and she is there to provide a very important. Perspective, and that's the clinical perspective. Uh, so, so often uh, in marketing uh, and the digital uh, services inside healthcare systems, we're coming up with ideas, or we're being presented ideas, and uh, we have to work with the clinicians to either get them to buy into it or to understand what their their feedback is on it and their perspective is. And I thought it would be a really good at a workshop to have that perspective right there. Uh, So the format will be very straightforward. There'll be a presentation by one of the three people that uh, specialize in this kind of technology. And then we'll, we'll, after that, each each of those presentations will have a Q&A with Chantel to get the clinical perspective on what uh, has been said. And I think that'll make for a very uh, engaging and very, um, I think, thought-provoking presentation, uh, kind of going just beyond the show and tell of what these products can do.
0: If you are catching this podcast after the HCIC meeting, we will be linking, of course, on the blog post back to HCIC so you can uh, purchase the recording separately. Why don't we talk a little bit about, Ed, just about some of the technologies, maybe a little bit more deep, and then I want to spend some time with your experience with this sort of thing. You have James Gardner, Mike Manji, and uh, Abby Sharma uh, who are all talking. Give us a sense of some of the things, exciting things they'll likely be talking about.
1: Let's start with Abby Sharma, and he's with Loyal Healthcare, uh, and they do... um uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and uh, some, some fairly sophisticated chatbot technology designed to be placed on healthcare uh, or hospital websites. Uh, he is a, uh, a brilliant technical mind and is going to be presenting a fairly in depth uh, explanation of what uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning is uh, using examples from uh, companies like. Um, Netflix and and Spotify and places that spend a lot of uh, effort into coming up with recommendation engines uh, and other examples of that type. Um, it's, it'll be a little bit on the heavy technical side, but and not so much on uh, the uh, specific marketing for healthcare. But I, I thought it would be a very interesting um, uh, journey for folks to really understand the nuances and how complicated this whole field is uh, and uh, would, I think, help p- folks appreciate these products when they see them being rolled
0: out. Our team goes to Google periodically, and they're always talking about AI, and it's funny to see at what level this is happening in the real world. It's not just discussion. It's happening all the time. Uh, so it seems like that would be a very interesting session for sure. I mean, every
1: every time you turn around, there's some, there's, there's some form of AI going on. Uh, even things like... Um, traffic directions like ways and things of that nature, there's an awful lot of artificial intelligence that are ju- is juggling uh, all sorts of variables in real time to give you the you know, information from the best route home.
0: Tell me about James Gardner's discussion. What will he be talking about?
1: James is going to be talking about three technologies, voice interfaces, the tools like Siri and Google Home and uh, and the one from amazon i'm forgetting the name now uh, but all those interfaces where you can talk in in, in a, in a natural spoken language to a device uh, it understands what you're asking it looks up the information and it gives you back hopefully a coherent answer awful lot of technology and computing power uh, going into that that sort of lines up with artificial intelligence to a great extent uh, and then he's diving deep into um, augmented reality and virtual reality and uh, and these are actually two different things, but uh, which I didn't really fully appreciate until I went and I, uh, read through his uh, presentation. There are some very obvious uh, uses for this in healthcare. Uh, many hospitals have started to do some of it, but there's an awful lot of room for, for other things uh, to be developed that I think would be very exciting. His presentation is not as heavy on the technical background, uh, but more on the uh, practical applications in healthcare. So I think people will get a lot out of that.
0: And then Mike Manji.
1: Mike is with a firm called Phase Two, and he is looking at the the issues around all these wearable devices. They're they're called wearables. Uh, So that's the Fitbit and uh, dozens of other devices, uh, clothing that has monitoring systems embedded into it, apps that track your sleep, and a wide variety of dozens of other different types of uh, tools like that. So essentially, these are tools, whether you wear them or they're an app that are monitoring something you're doing. It's an Apple Watch, something like that. Uh, But it's gathering tons of data uh, from you constantly, and it's monitoring. The first part of his presentation is sort of an overview of all the different types of devices that are gathering this information, um, and some that were pretty surprising to me. Um, And then the second part is, how do, what do you do with all that data? yes that data can sit in its island inside the apps um, or the device's uh, memory and then you use it but there is so much that can be done if that data can be uh, organized and structured and delivered to the healthcare providers that are taking care of you and somehow integrated into your medical record and uses another set of very rich data that the your clinical uh, team can use to customize and to uh, give you um, really good health plans. So that's, that to me is pretty cutting edge and some big questions are being, are being worked out now in terms of security and privacy and accuracy of this data and uh, that's what he'll be talking about.
0: The wearables have been around for a while, but the application, I bet, is a big deal. You know, what do you exactly, like you said, yeah, what do you do with the data? It's all, yeah. all the information overload that's possible in which platform and how mm-hmm. do we integrate that and how do we bill for that, I'm sure, is an issue that's going to come up.
1: That, that's going to be one where I'm really looking forward to what our physician guest has to say because, you know, I, I know in talking to my personal doctor, uh, when I've walked in with uh, readouts from my blood pressure machine and some other stuff, Uh, Sometimes her eyes would glaze over a little bit. And she actually told me, you know, if you just take your blood pressure once every month, once, once every week, that'll be fine. Seriously, what do you do with that data? And is there is there a place for it in the way uh, clinicians um, uh, take that information and serve their serve their patients?
0: It's interesting. You mentioned how uh, excited you were about Chantal reyna 's you know, uh, having her there as a guest mm-hmm. from the doctor's point of view. That must be from some experience in the past. I mean, you've been around this sort of stuff for a long time. So tell me some yeah. things that you, you're not going to predict what she says, I'm sure, but you have oh, some definitely. experience. You've been around the, um, the world here. So what kinds of things that come up? What are the obstacles Clinicians are likely to point out, uh, you know, maybe more broadly speaking, and some of the opportunities, right. and then talk about maybe some of the adoption you've noticed as well. Because in my experience, at least, it's wild. It varies wildly depending on who you're talking right. to.
1: Right. Up until recently, most of the of the topics and concepts that uh, someone in, uh, like myself, in marketing or, or in digital, would go to a doctor with, would be sort of. Fundamental communication stuff a new type of website or a better uh, mobile app or something of that nature. So it wasn't really Transactional it was let's get information out there Maybe we get some people to fill out some forms schedule an appointment some really basic stuff But even even there with something that you know, I think you and I would consider pretty straightforward there would be an awful lot of um, uh, sometimes confusion on behalf of the clinicians about what is possible and what's not possible um, so there would be, you know, this sort of uh, meeting of minds where people have very, very different, different views of the world. And you know, our job was, is to, with our clinic, clinical partners, is to figure out how do we understand their view and uh, their frame of reference, and make sure that what we're pitching to them makes sense. Uh, we can certainly learn a lot from them about what is what is reasonable and what is uh, is not reasonable. And then how you know when how do we uh, how do we educate doctors when we feel like we have something that they they should know about and we want to make sure they understand what the implications are I mean I could certainly see a conversation where uh, we're basically you know telling doctors you know you should you should be ready as these wearables start to get to a critical mass that your patients may be coming in with reams of data. Um, how do you want to respond to that what are what are some options that we could offer to those patients that would not be a burden to you, but would add value. So those are the kind of, of insights I think she's going to bring to the table. And again, why well, I'm so excited to to have her
0: there. Adoption mm-hmm. rates vary a lot with doctors. And right. uh, sometimes it may be you know, generational, right? Younger doctors mm-hmm. may be more open to newer ideas. Uh, they also have a different stake. But then you have if you look at it various different ways, right, we have different people have just just general curiosity levels perhaps. We have different Mm -hmm. stages of our career, um, employed versus private practice. What kinds of things do you think in the past, maybe other technologies that you've seen roll out, have been, um, are are common? So like in this case, like information overload comes to mind for sure. But um, is there any other insights you can give us about like what have been obstacles that doctors have brought up or is it just all across the board?
1: It is called across the board. But I think it can, we can point to, to one thing, one example that everybody, you know, listening to this could probably relate to, and that's the adoption of electronic medical records. Gigantic shift in the landscape of how hospitals and healthcare providers manage the, um, the information about their, their encounters with, with the patients. And as we all know, that has been something that has been um, fraught with, with, with pushback. And, right uh, and objections and many times you can actually see that uh, fall across generational lines uh, younger doctors who were completely at home with a keyboard or a digital interface uh, take to this and are just totally happy with it and would never want to you know go back to, to paper and, and folders um, and then other doctors who are uh, you know, very comfortable with pen and paper and uh, the medical chart uh, are very resistant to it. Um, I think it's 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 very important to use the examples here because I saw too many colleagues that would just um, sort of dismiss the objections of the uh, the folks that were against electronic medical records, um, not really understanding that there is nothing faster than writing a note on a patient's chart with a, with, a, with a pen. And for that doctor, the ability just to write that information down, close the folder, and then move on to the next patient was really, uh, was really impacted when they had to spend quite a bit of time to navigate a computer screen and press a button, uh, different buttons a hundred times, enter in something uh, very, very simple. So I think that there's, um, there's really good lessons to be learned from folks we may not have the, um, the optimistic view that some of us might have about new technology. And uh, that's, that's, again, where I'm hoping, uh, I'm excited about uh, what she has to say, uh, her perspective of the stuff that's being presented.
0: Do you have any secrets from your own experience about getting adoption for technology? Because you've, you know, led in your uh, former position a lot of technology and a lot of things. What sort of secrets within, I guess, both executives and doctors uh, that some of our listeners might learn yeah. from your experience.
1: Well, I, I don't think I'm going to be saying anything that's a, that's a brilliant or brand new. Um, I think that uh, understanding where the physicians come from and what resonates with them is probably the most important thing. And in my experience, what resonates with them is data. So if you are, whether it's you're uh, trying to show the advantages of a particular marketing uh, technique, uh, why why you should spend... Take that $10,000 budget and spend it on, say, uh, search engine marketing instead of a billboard, and you can show through hard data what the results are of the, what the ROI is of that spend in those two different uh, approaches. Most doctors I know will look at that and say, hmm, "Okay, it makes a lot of sense to go with Plan A instead of Plan B that I, I wanted to do." Uh, so. That's what drives them. That's what they respect. And that's probably the, my number one tip for, for getting adoption.
0: HCIC, of course, is broader than just marketing. If the, mm-hmm. some of the people in the audience that may be more marketing focused, where do you see the opportunities there from a marketing standpoint? And when we start talking about artificial intelligence, or if a hospital system is adapting some of these, any suggestions there about what's worked in the past, what might work for translating these things into benefits the consumer could understand? Whether at the practice level well, or Well, is it level. is it
1: for a consumer to understand or for, for, for the other other uh, audiences at the hospital to understand? Because I think I, I think I many times both. the consumers are ahead of us.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's a, well, that's a good point. So the consumers may understand it, but the internal audiences—do yeah. you mean the administrators or the doctors or both?
1: Right. Well, well, both. It could be the administrators. It could be the doctors. Let's say they object to some new thing that you're trying to, to talk about. Let's say, for example, it's investing money into making sure that if someone asks a question on, um, on Google Home or, or uh, Siri, and that our data is, is set up in a way that Siri can look it up and answer. Um, and there may be some objection to that. I think the the easiest thing is to just ask how how many people do they know in their extended uh, circle of friends and family that use these kind of voice uh, response systems on a regular basis Um, i was really surprised pleasantly surprised when that question was asked at the shishmed conference a few weeks ago a large audience and literally 90 percent of the hands uh, in the room went up when they asked how many people use Uh, Voice response systems on a regular basis like every day. Uh, So it's a very common thing Um, so that's probably the first tip and then um, Showing how this makes it easier for whatever the whatever the technology is Uh, it makes it easier for patients to connect with us to Schedule appointments with us to get their information quicker and faster and more accurately than having to pick up the phone and stay on hold and, and so forth um, those those are the techniques you use to just really have sort of an ironclad ROI statement about the, the reason why uh, this, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the organization should focus on it.
0: One of the things when we talk about in our seminars, when we tease the audience a little bit, we'll ask, okay, what are the one, couple of things that we find that consumers really want in terms of interacting with their doctors? And we often hear from the patients, you know, I want to be able to email them easy things or I want to be able to schedule my own appointment. And what are the two things that doctors don't want them to do? Let them email them, let them schedule their own appointment. Right. So it's, it's still to this day we have that discussion. And I think that's totally true. And another thing that's interesting to me is, as you're talking about that Shizmed group, it doesn't surprise me. I got a Google Home in my house. In fact, Google's partner sent me one um, to try out a while ago, and they never actually followed up. They wanted to survey me, but they never asked me for my input. But it's funny because I love technology, but getting used to having it around, is—it's a—I think, will be even bigger once I get used to it. We mm-hmm. still have it. Once in a while, it'll make a noise. Like, oh, I still have a Google Home. I have to actually ask something about it. But I think adoption is everything. Um, and then, you know, obviously being able to embrace that and, you know, catching up with the early adopters and the innovators. I have another question, though, going back to the idea of I was really interested in the chatbots in healthcare. Because um, mm-hmm. I could see also, again, there's a tendency in healthcare for obvious and good reasons to be careful about the downside. Um, but I, you can imagine if there's a chatbot giving out medical advice. I mean, it's pro- I'm sure it's programmed not to do that. But do you foresee any downsides to all this technology? Some of the technologies you're talking about specifically, um, because that's I'm sure the first thing place a lot of people are going to go.
1: Uh, there are uh, upsides and downsides to every type of new technology or um, you know tools that come that come along in our industry. I think that the um, the biggest downside is that the tools that are being developed right now, voice response systems, artificial intelligence, um, to a certain extent, uh, all the things about wearables, these are fundamentally new types of technologies in many ways, and they, uh, it's really hard to compare them to something that went, on, went along in the past. I mean, with, with so many of the internet technologies that came up uh, along in the last 20 years, you could see you could see a natural growth from something, some other technology. Whether it was, you know, email could be compared to regular snail mail that has been around for hundreds of years. These types of things, artificial intelligence, and and the other things like that, they are they're they're brand new in many ways. And it is it is sometimes hard, even for someone who, uh, you know, like myself and you, who you know live and breathe all this stuff, to grasp uh, what the um, what the uh, good or bad outcomes could be from the technology, so I think that's probably one of the biggest downsides is is getting our hands around it and to understand it enough that we can communicate it to folks that need to know about it um, but the flip side of that, the opportunities for some of these technologies is so uh, is so high and so enormous that we would be um, We would be remiss as an industry if we didn't take it seriously and try to figure out the best way to make use of it.
0: Excellent comment. And it's funny, as you were talking about this, I was thinking of self-driving cars where, Mm -hmm. you know, they're out there. It's the, the incredible sort of pent up demand for this. And but of course, at this stage, Uh, Nobody wants to be in an accident with a self-driving car, and so and and every time there's an accident with a self-driving car, it makes national headlines, so there's 40,000 deaths a year in America now, roughly – from auto accidents, but anytime there's one with a self-driving car, it's immediately, you know, top of the news Mm -hmm. as it should be. So uh, us as humans trying to catch up with this stuff, um, if you remember Toffler from Future Shock, trying to keep up with these changes of technology is hard. We're still human beings and even though, like you and I, like you said, love and breathe and live this stuff, uh, it's difficult to really anticipate how this will change, but some technologies uh, and some of the ones you noted have such overwhelming demand already. Um, mm-hmm. The wearables, people are already wearing wearables, right? Right. <laughs> and then you have trends like the real of healthcare, where consumers want to be a partner in their care, not a spectator. Um, and then, you know, voice activation, where people are using it in their day-to-day lives, artificial intelligence. So whether we like it or not, this stuff is coming. And I guess mm-hmm. you 're right, we just have to even as though we try to be wise, we try to anticipate um, it 's difficult to do so, and you just have to be ready that there's always going to be a downside, and the downside will um, can squash many technologies, but in this case, it feels like a tidal wave right there 's just so much mm-hmm. pressure behind it.
1: My final comment would be, you know I was there uh, in the mid early and mid nineties when the internet was just starting to take off, and there was just so many exciting. Uh, possibilities uh, that uh, were being explored uh, by, by folks and things now for, for, for so long that sort of sort of died down and saw incremental changes and uh, and minor updates to stuff um, I'm starting to feel like we're on the on the cusp of a new generation of some really fundamentally new exciting ideas and technologies uh, which we'll be covering in this panel and uh, it's got me excited again. And um, I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the great thing about where we are at this point.
0: That totally makes sense to me because you're right. All these things that we used to dream about are now pretty commonplace. And so there's mm-hmm. a whole other phase of development. Well, Ed, when I, we invited you to this uh, podcast, I knew it would be intriguing and interesting. You're always an interesting guy with some thoughtful things to say. And uh, I really appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you.